This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hello to everybody out there. Hope everybody's getting ready for a great weekend. We've got a really good show coming up for you here today. Mark Craig will join me here in a few minutes to talk about Kevin O'Connell and his thoughts on that hire for the Vikings and also the Super Bowl, of course, coming up on Sunday. Mark you know, has some good thoughts on how that game might transpire, who he likes to win that game. So we had a good discussion about that. Hope you will enjoy that. Got some Rob Manfred comments about the baseball work stoppage that I want to get to. Got Marcus Foligno suspended two games for a for a knee to a player. Not uh, not great there. And the Vikings have a new defensive coordinator, which I'll get to after I talk to Mark Craig. But first, what did I miss? If you thought I was going to start today's show with anything other than the James Harden for Ben Simmons trade, you are mistaken. And in conjunction with that, a quiet trade deadline for the Timberwolves. You know, maybe this whole Ben Simmons saga is summed up best by Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses. Um, Of course, what else isn't summed up best by a song that came out almost 35 years ago when Axl Rose crooned, all we need is just a little patience. And maybe that's what was needed in the whole Ben Simmons saga from the beginning. You know, I, I wanted... A Wolves for Ben Simmons trade. Um, I talked about it a number of times on the show, wrote about what the parameters of that might look like. Not sure that ever really got close. A lot of spilled ink for nothing, a lot of strained vocal cords for nothing. But uh, Ben Simmons traded by the 76ers finally just before Thursday's deadline for James Harden, two players who wanted out clearly um, Harden forcing his way off of another team. Second time in 13 months he did that, wondering a lot about his character right now. But, um, you know, maybe we'll find out a little bit more about what went wrong there. But Blockbuster, in this case, with, you know, not just those two, not just those two getting swapped, I mean, you know, the Nets picked up some picks. They also picked up Seth Curry, who should help them quite a bit with uh, with their shooting. They picked up Andre Drummond. I mean, it's it's a it's a blockbuster in every sense. Paul Millsap going back to uh, Philadelphia as part of that deal. Um, but basically, the patience part of it is this: Philadelphia ends up getting what it really wanted all along. You know, short of. Ben Simmons coming back and playing really well for them. What they wanted all along was a difference-making star player to pair with Joel Embiid, who's having a very good season again this year. And that's what they got in Harden. For for all of what I don't like about James Harden, what I don't like about him stylistically, what I'm coming to dislike about him in terms of his, you know, his, his like forcing his way off of two different teams. I think that's an immature way of going about your business as a as a professional athlete like it's it's just you know it it, it, I I just don't I don't like it I think people should have a right to you know play for whoever they want to once they get to free agency but when you essentially stop playing 
for two different teams because you're pouting and trying to get somewhere else. I don't like that. But the 76ers get that star caliber player. Um, so they they get that part of the trade. The Nets, if they really needed to move off of James Harden, got a pretty good haul for James Harden. You know, Ben Simmons, for all of his faults, fits there probably better than he does in Philadelphia. The Nets, when healthy, still have plenty of scoring, of course, with Kyrie Irving, um, with Kevin Durant, of course. If they can put it all together, that should be still a formidable team in the Eastern Conference. The Wolves, if this was ever a possibility and they exhibited patience and not rushing to make a deal with the 76ers who clearly had a high expectation for what they could get from Ben Simmons, um, the Wolves exhibited some patience because they probably deserved, this this team this year deserved to see how it could do without another shakeup you know, early on. Um, we deserve to see what D'Angelo Russell could do with this team. He almost certainly would have been part of any Ben Simmons trade. Um, Anthony Edwards, Carlton Towns, they deserved to figure out you know, how all the core pieces that have been put together fit together. And so far this year, it's fit pretty well. 29 and 26, not by any means a perfect team or a perfect roster, but a much improved one from recent years and one that looks like it is trending at least towards the play-in tournament, if not loftier goals. And they'll play again Friday against Chicago in another game of exhibiting, uh, showing off the patience that is being rewarded with the Bulls, um, led by Zach Levine, who, you know, is part of a team that, you know, was traded as part of that Jimmy Butler deal five years ago when maybe the Wolves didn't exhibit a ton of patience. Although, as I have said numerous times, 10 out of 10, I would make that trade any day. Jimmy Butler wasn't the problem in that trade equation. Um, not knowing how to keep Jimmy Butler happy and extending Andrew Wiggins at the time was that problem. But every team that I've talked about right now, the Wolves, the Nets, and the 76ers probably exhibited a certain amount of patience. Sure, certainly the Wolves and the 76ers in not rushing to any kind of Ben Simmons deal with each other. The 76ers got what they wanted. The Wolves, not saying they necessarily got what they wanted, but they probably got what they needed and deserved, which is, you know, st- just st- stay still for a minute. See what you can do with the roster you have assembled. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have been better this year with Ben Simmons. I am saying I've liked what I've seen from this group more than I thought I would. And Staying the course has 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 proven to be a, a a path that has been rewarded for both of those teams. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for twenty four seven gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Mark Craig, Vikings and NFL writer for the Star Tribune for. Last pick segment in uh, probably seven months or so. Um, <laughs> we won't uh, won't crank this up for a while again until the next NFL season. But before we do that, it is Super Bowl time on Sunday. Bengals against the Rams. Some extra intrigue, I would imagine, locally, just because Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach in waiting, is, of course, the offensive coordinator for the Rams. And according to you, Mark, uh, will come to Minnesota as a Super Bowl champion assistant, at least. 
Yeah, let's let's give him till Tuesday before you uh, they introduce him because uh, you know he's going to probably be celebrating uh, Aaron Donald's. I think I had four and a half sacks. That's my bold prediction. Um, him wreaking havoc up the middle there. But uh, you know I have picked against the Bengals probably since uh, uh, week one. So uh, you know and they just keep uh, keep winning. So but you know it, it, I, it's a fascinating game. I think Joe Burrow is he's got that. I mean for people that are old enough to remember Joe Namath. Um, that's swagger. And then you got, uh, you know, Stafford, that's a great story. It's just, it's gonna be a fun Super Bowl to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Bengals will make it entertaining, but I just like the Rams. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals seems to be problematic and it, you know, should have probably stopped them at various points in this playoff run, but they just can't protect Burrow very well. Didn't he get sacked like 50 times this year? He got sacked nine times in that, the one playoff victory they had. And when you've got, Aaron Donald, Von Miller trying to get after him. That seems like it would be a bad matchup for Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, I I voted for Burrow for comeback player of the year. You know, a lot of people probably voted for Dak Prescott. I I voted not only because he came back from the knee injury, but also because he played every he withstood what what happened to him this year. Um, it was it was a you know a lot of a, took a lot of beatings this year. That Tennessee game, nine sacks. I mean, who who gets sacked nine times and finds a way to win? I mean, it's a uh, there's something about this guy, um, but yeah, they got going forward. If they were to sneak out a Super Bowl here with that offensive line, uh, and then they build around him and uh, with with the young receivers that they got, I mean, he, he they you know we say this every year when a team gets hot like this, but you know, but they could be a team that is there multiple times and, and could be one of those memorable teams. So, but yeah, they they got a, a right they got a right guard situation right now, the rookie and a second year guy that in the AFC championship game, they alternated like the old messenger guards that Paul Brown had with the Browns and the, the Bengals, every play they switched off. So, and you put that up against, you know, Aaron Donald's able to move everywhere. Uh, he can play in, he can play tackle, he can play nose, he can do anything, but they're going to obviously find a way for him to attack the, that, that, those guards. And, uh, you know, I just don't, uh, with everything else the Rams have, if, if Donald was the only thing they had, they didn't have Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and, and all these other you know, great players. I don't. I think, I think they could get it by, but I think it's the Rams have too much for them up front to uh, to withstand what what the Rams are going to come after them with. Now, you noted in your preview, and it's no secret. Before this year, Matthew Stafford had not won a playoff game. He's won two now, trying to win a third and secure a Super Bowl. Do have we seen enough from Stafford that you trust him in this kind of big moment game? He's actually won three. They they blew out the Cardinals. Oh, that's right. Three. You're right. My bad. Yeah, he blew out the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they he was kind of just uh, along for the ride on that one as that uh, the Cardinals melted down. You know, then he beats Brady and that uh, does well. And then you know, then they beat the 49ers, which was a hot team that hadn't beaten the 49ers in six tries. Um, you know, he's it's been up and down, uh, but I think overall he's he's done an amazing job holding up to the, the pressure that's been on him. When that trade is made, you know, I, I, me, like ever, a lot of other people thought that's, you know, the Lions win this trade because it's it's literally Super Bowl win this year in that stadium or it's a bust. Um, and to me, you know, to give up two firsts and a third and and a quarterback who's not he's not as good as Stafford, but he's six years younger. He did go to the Super Bowl. Um, tremendous amount of pressure on this guy. And he wobbled a little bit in the middle of the year with some interceptions. He was terrible against the Vikings and they still beat the Vikings. 
but I think he's played well enough in this in the postseason that um, you know there's a grittiness to that guy that uh, you know I would not doubt him you know having a good game and winning this game. You talked a little bit just now about you know the Rams essentially going all in this season to try to make it to and win the Super Bowl in their stadium. And this is the second year in a row that this has essentially happened. Tampa Bay doing it last year, going all in, getting Tom Brady at that point um, and finding a way to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Is this like, is this the start of, it's a copycat league. Is this the start of like a new way of thinking about things that you don't necessarily build for like a four to six year window you build for, let's try to find as many expensive, good players right now. And, you know, salary cap in two years, be damned. It, it could be. I mean, uh, uh, there's, the Rams came out and had some sort of they built some sort of house for players or something where they could go or, or the team can meet. Uh, it's out in Los Angeles somewhere. And I joke that uh, it's a house that probably doesn't have a first floor because the Rams don't have they don't pick in the first round. The, the last pick that they had in the first round was Jared Goff in 2016. If they keep their 2024 pick, um, they will have gone seven years without a first round pick. Uh, they gave up two first rounders for uh, Jalen Ramsey. They gave up two first rounders for. And they stacked that on top with, with Matthew Stafford. So, and then uh, you know Von Miller. They trade for Von Miller, and I um, get what they gave up for him. Um, but you know it's and then look at all the money that uh, Kroenke threw at, uh, at Odell Beckham. I think has gotten like a two million dollars for the first three wins. He might get another million dollar bonus just by his team winning the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, they've pushed everything to the middle, and uh, that's the way. I'm not saying that's sustainable for a lot of teams because, you know, a lot of things had to happen right for the for the Rams to to get all these players that they got. But uh, sure, um, it is a copycat league, and you might see more teams, uh, you know, like saying, you know, two two first round picks to, to get what you want immediately might not be what it as much as it what it seemed to, to do be before. But you better win that Super Bowl. Exactly. And they'll try to do that Sunday. They'll try to do that with Kevin O'Connell as their offensive coordinator before he makes his way to Minnesota. He, he talked earlier this week. He did a, a video conference call with reporters. You know, he's basically acknowledging that he's he's kind of got this dual role going right now where he's trying to prep and game plan for this game as, as much as, you know, as much as humanly possible, as much as you would you know, even if your attention wasn't divided, but also you know, assuming trying to assemble a staff, take care of all the things that will lead up to him being officially named head coach early next week. Um, in, in past cases, have you seen, you know, assistants who are going to leave for another team when it's known and then they are coaching the Super Bowl? Has that been, uh, has that factored into a result that you can remember? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, people here can say that, uh, and I think uh, some people have made comments about, I wasn't here at the time, but Brian Billick wasn't the Super Bowl, but it was at that uh, NFC Championship game where maybe he was distracted because he was going to go on and coach the, uh, I think he was up for the Cleveland job at that point. But I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did he, oh yeah, because he went to the Ravens the very next year. So, you know, people can say that, but I think there's enough time in the day. To, these guys are fantastic at compartmentalizing and you know, talking to him, I mean, he, it's funny how, you know, in a roundabout way, started off saying that they're going to hire the, myself and I'm sure a lot of other people said they're going to have hire the absolute 
opposite of Mike Zimmer. And, you know, we danced around and we got to where, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, Harbaugh is not the opposite of Zimmer, but, you know, that fell through. And then you ended up with this guy that when you look at him, I mean, Mike Zimmer has uh, probably has things on the bottom of his shoe that are older than this guy. So, um, I mean, he's offensive guy. He's a quarterback. He's got a relationship with Kirk Cousins. He's 20 years younger. Um, Impressive. He comes from a very impressive tree. I've made, I've poked fun at it over the years with the McVay genius tree, but McVay's got something going. And and, uh, and the guys that come from his system, the Lafleurs and Staley's, um, Zach Taylor. I mean, they 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 find a way to get it done, and it helps to have a quarterback, of course. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm not saying this guy's going to be a winner. I'm not have no idea how it's going to work out, but I think they have a good plan. And it's going to be fun to watch unfold. Now, I had Brad Childress on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we talked, got to talking about Kirk Cousins and what his thoughts are on Cousins. And he was, he was pretty measured. I think he likes Kirk Cousins. And he also said, you know, as thinking about any kind of offseason trade that the Vikings might consider, said, you know, just be careful what you wish for, because whenever you don't have that guy, you're always looking for that guy when it comes to quarterback. And I'm just, I'm curious what Kevin O'Connell really thinks about Kirk Cousins having spent that year in Washington, that, that final year of Cousins' Washington career in 2017. Um, O'Connell was the quarterback's coach there. Um, curious to see how that relationship factors into whatever the Vikings might do with Kirk Cousins this offseason, and, and just the fact that O'Connell was a quarterback and knows the importance of that position. Well, yeah, I, Childress and I have talked about that too, and uh, you know, he's, he, he said you know, their, their problems is not – wasn't the quarterback. It was kind of like whoever had the ball last was going to win. Uh, at least when I was talking to him, how the season was going. Um, to me, it's like, it's funny because it's 2017. His relationship with Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins throwing 27 touchdowns, five interceptions, over 4,000 yards, all the numbers you want, but he was seven and nine. So it was like the Kirk Cousins season. That's not to say it was a Kirk Cousins fault, but that 500, just below 500, Mark has followed him his entire career. It contributed to two guys getting fired. I do agree that uh, I think they'll keep him now that they got this. I think there's a relationship there. I think the system will be um, favorable to, to Cousins. And I feel like, yeah, unless, unless somebody just may say the Rams win and, and somebody bowls you over with some crazy offer. I mean, I think the Vikings will listen to offers, but I don't think it'll be good enough for them to get rid of. I think they'll work out a way where he's his contract. They'll extend him a little bit or whatever, uh, and he'll be here. That's my guess, just by who they got and uh, the relationship with him, uh, and the fact that uh, I don't, you know, he's a good quarterback, but I just don't see someone giving you two firsts and a third for Kirk Cousins. If they did, I would pay, I would help him. I would drive him to the airport, <laughs> just like Chile. Um, and. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's a good point. And even if they extended him, that wouldn't preclude them from trading him in a year or two if they decided, okay, we really do need to hit a, a harder reboot on on all of this once O'Connell gets settled in a little bit. Um, a couple final thoughts for you. Um, one being just as you watch, we, we didn't talk last week, so we haven't talked since the O'Connell hire was made, since all the Harbaugh drama kind of in, in, enveloped that, you know, the first part of, a couple of weeks ago, um, as you kind of watched that, perhaps, you know, from 
relatively close, but from a distance too. What what did you make of the kind of dance with Jim Harbaugh that ultimately resulted in them going a different direction? Well, you know, maybe it's just because I've seen this stuff so much before. I just never believed that he was that he was going to sign. I thought I thought like maybe some people in in Florida thought that he was working he was working the system to to get uh, the Dolphins owner uh, off the hook on on getting him as a head coach. You know that they were just kind of playing the Vikings. Um, I liked that the Vikings kicked tires on him. I like, I mean, you know, whenever he was in it, whenever his name came up, it was assumed by everybody that he's the guy, he's going to come walking in. You know, the Vikings never said that. The Vikings in this new system that they got going under Quasi, that, it, you know, we're going we're gonna to look at all avenues. And they did. And, they, and that was an extreme right turn avenue to me, even though that Quasi had the relationship with him from San Francisco. If Harbaugh came in here, it was not going to be this collaborative thing. It was hard. It was going to be Harbaugh's way or probably or, or he'd leave. Or um, so you know, they kicked the tires on it. It didn't. Uh, Har, you know, Harbaugh saw that hey, they're not going to they're not going to bow and kiss my ring, and and, and that seemed to that's how it ended. So uh, and then they they arrived at this at this guy that's going to fit. I think what they're looking for now. You know. Does everyone know what they're doing? We don't know because this is these these two hires were so, you know, especially the GM hire is so outside the box that uh, I give the Vikings credit for um, having the guts to do it. Whether they had the brains, <laughs> we'll find out. Speaking of the brains, um, like we said, Kevin O'Connell will lead the Rams uh, offense into the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, X's and O's wise, aside from. Um, you know, what we just talked about a little while ago with the, the Rams pass rush against the, the Bengals. Anything else schematically that we should be watching for in a game that I believe you predicted would be a 30 to 24 Rams victory? Yeah, I think um, the second half adjustment, I mean, uh, the Bengals defensive coordinator, the Lou Anarumo, uh, what he did with the Chiefs was, was phenomenal. I mean, uh, they frustrated. I mean, it kind of happened to, to uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs early in the year. Maybe uh, well, last Super Bowl, they couldn't protect him. Uh, but they made an adjustment. They, they forced them, you know, the Chiefs to be this kind of dink and dunk, and Mahomes doesn't have the patience. I don't think Mahomes was confused, but uh, they, they made a great adjustment after halftime, dropping eight guys into coverage and rushing three. And so those kinds of adjustments, and also Cooper Cup, how do they approach Cooper Cup? If they if they put all their attention on Cooper Cup, you know my my uh, one of my favorite players, uh, OBJ, uh, will probably have a big game, and uh, uh, you know because he's obviously he's still got the skill set. It's not nothing physical about him. It's about just him, you know. Everything has to be perfect for him to <laughs> think to excel, uh, and he's got that perfect situation. So if Cooper Cup is taken out of the game for some reason, then you know Odell Beckham could have a memorable Super Bowl. That's gonna be kind of a fun thing to watch how the Bengals approach, approach that. And also how the Rams approach, if they don't get to the, to the quarterback, how do the Rams handle all those receivers and Jamar chase and his speed. So there, there's a lot of fun matchups to watch. Should be a good one. Mark appreciate this and all season long. Enjoy the super bowl and we'll catch you up down the road. Okay. All right. Sounds good, Michael. Always good to talk to Mark Craig. Like we choked, it'll be a while probably until he and I talk again for at least for a picks segment because there will be no picks for several months. Get your football fix while you can on Sunday with the Super Bowl. And Mark and I talked quite a bit about 
Kevin O'Connell and what he thought of that hire and the whole Jim Harbaugh saga. Not long after Mark and I talked on Thursday, we learned that uh, the Vikings have made a hire at defensive coordinator, the first kind of big, big move uh, of the Kevin O'Connell coaching staff. Uh, They get Ed Donatel, veteran, who's been with several different teams. He was the defensive coordinator for the Broncos the last three seasons under Vic Fangio uh, over there. The interesting thing about him, aside from just kind of his his journey here, which has included a lot of different teams, including San Francisco from 2011 to 2014, where he would have gotten to know Kevin O'Connell and Quesay Adolfo Mensa. Um, interesting thing about him is that he has run a 3-4 defense in, uh, in recent years with Denver. Um, distinction there being the Vikings have traditionally, in the last 16 years, run a 4-3 defense. And for those who need a quick refresher 4-3 means you have four defensive linemen and three linebackers a 3-4 defense inverts that ratio you do three defensive linemen and four linebackers and you know what that means is they might value different positions a little bit differently if indeed uh, Donatel brings in a 3-4 defense to this team so we will have to see about that but it could have an impact on players like Daniil Hunter um, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, and even some of the Vikings linebackers, um, a position where they've been pretty thin lately, um, would need to certainly bulk up at, uh, at linebacker because, you know, Kendricks and Barr have been good. Barr, though, we don't know if he's going to be back with, with what his contract is. And beyond those two, the depth has been a little bit lacking. So that is an interesting piece to that equation. Will they run a different type of defense with Donatel? And what will that mean for the roster going forward? The Wild will be without Marcus Foligno for two games, getting a two-game suspension for kneeing Adam Lowry at the end of a fight the other day. That'll hurt the Wild, of course. I mean, he's going to miss Saturday's game against Carolina, which is a showdown between two very good teams, and then Monday's game against Detroit. He will be back Wednesday against Winnipeg. That will be interesting to see how that plays out but a tough one for the wild will be out one of with one will be without one of their best players this season he has 17 goals this year and uh, you know not uh, not a great deal for them at all let's finish with the cooler i want to play a rob manfred quote the commissioner of baseball um talking about the the labor stoppage in the league and what to, what direction the league is headed in right now I am an optimist, and I believe we will have an agreement in time to play our regular schedule. If, if I hadn't um, given consideration uh, to what it would mean to miss games, I wouldn't be doing my job. Obviously, I pay attention to that. I, I see missing games as a disastrous outcome for, the, for this industry. And we're committed to making an agreement in an effort to avoid that. I would take issue with the notion that Rob Manfred is a optimist, but maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just me. I'm not an optimist about Rob Manfred at the at the very least. But, you know, interesting comments from him trying to paint a slightly less disastrous picture of, of all this. But we're already day 70 of this lockout. Pitchers and catchers would be reporting Next week, in a lot of cases, that certainly doesn't feel like it will happen. He's trying to stave off any postponement of 
camps and things like that, but it doesn't seem like we're headed into great territory. Now, the league, uh, the owners will present a new proposal on Saturday. Maybe that closes the gap some somewhat, but uh, still feels like we're not in a great place. They're going to, you know, they're meeting for the, just the fifth time since December 2nd. You know, Manfred trying to be optimistic here, but this is, again, trying to, you know, put a, a happy face on a situation that just has not had any real positive momentum to it. So I hope for baseball's sake that Manfred is right, that his optimism or his alleged optimism is warranted. I just don't see it right now. I feel like the sides are too far apart to feel like this is going to get resolved anytime soon. But, you know, I do agree with the one thing he said that this, you know, you're always one breakthrough away from, you know, settling these things. So we will see about that. But I am not the optimist that Rob Manfred claims to be. That will do it for today. Thanks for listening all week. We'll be back at it next week with tons of good stuff. I'm sure Roycey and I will talk about the Super Bowl on Monday on on top of many other things. Have a great weekend. Be back at it again on Monday.